Here we are now, with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. This will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And today, I'd like to discuss the relationship between the infinite self and the finite self. Now, I know if you're listening to these episodes in order, I said last episode we would be getting into who is in. And we'll get to that. That will be right after this. And there are plenty of things coming up in store and already things that I've said for who is in. So stay tuned for that. But before we get off into that, there's one more thing I'd like to cover off today here. And this is something so fundamental. Now, when we talk about self, when you ever, whenever you hear this word self, it's a little bit tricky because in spiritual circles, we have all sorts of definitions and ideas about transcending the self and the self is an illusion and the self isn't real and all these sorts of things. And to make things maybe even a bit more muddy, there's also multiple kinds of self. You might have a true self and a false self, a lower self and a higher self. You have a self-image, a self-esteem, and the list goes on. And we'll get into those in another conversation, another day. There's value in understanding all the differences between those Because, of course, when you understand all the differences, you can see how people use this word self in different ways. And you can also see, well, how confusing it can be. But today, leave all that aside. Today, we're starting from scratch. And we're just working with two forms of self. Two forms of how it feels to be you. Two sort of ideas or pictures or sort of descriptions of what it's like to be you. And these go hand in hand. They're related. And therein is one of the most important things to understand about the finite self and the infinite self. It is that they are related. They go together. You can't have one without the other. And it's actually... Understanding this relationship, understanding how they interact, how they're related, how they morph from one to the other, that is the secret, that is the key. Now, if you have this idea of, oh, I want to be infinite, or I want to have myself in the infinite self, I want to be in the infinite self all the time, I want to transcend the finite self, then this is, well, it's a trap. That's not understanding that there is a relationship between the infinite self and the finite self. Essentially, fundamentally, you are infinite. You are infinite. But you can't have infinity without 
finites. Infinity is made of an infinite number of finites. And when we apply that to us, to our experience, well, you need to understand what it means to have a finite experience. You need to understand the things that make your experience finite. So let's get into a little bit of a basic description and let's look at some of the things that do that. The finite self is what you say. Whatever you say is finite. What you say is what you are. Your finite self is also everything that you've said. So imagine we've recorded every word you've ever said, and we've written it down and we've got this big book. might be volumes and volumes of everything that's ever come out of your mouth. Even right back since when you were born then that number of words would be finite, right? We would be able to do that. It would be a lot, but it would be a finite number. So what you say is finite. It's part of your finite self. The finite self is defined. So if we were to take a photo of you and then draw a line around the outside, we would be able to say that, yes, that is you. Everything inside that line is you in that photo, and everything outside that line is not you. And by that definition, by that line, by that drawing of the boundary, we've made you finite, visually, in a picture. That is a picture of you. The finite self is repetitive. It is containing things that have been before. It is having things that you recognize. When you do something you've done before, when you say something you've said before, when you feel something you've felt before, when you go to a place you've been before, when you wear clothes you've worn before, when you see a friend that you've seen before, and so on. The finite self is repetitive. And actually, repetition is one of the deep sort of epistemological principles of the universe, but we don't need to go into that for today's conversation. That's something to understand maybe a little bit later on. The finite self is mundane. The finite self is, in a sense, boring. It's sort of normal. Because it's repetitive, Repetitive. it's it's really just the everyday stuff. It's just you doing your thing, and it's really not hard to understand it. And further, the finite self is to do with surface-level appearances. So just like the photo with the line around the outside of you is defining you, all sorts of surfaces are included in the finite self. When you're in a situation and it's obvious and it's clear what's going on, that's the surface level. 
If you're in an office and you're working, and someone says, what's happening right now? You say, well, I'm in an office and I'm working, and that's it. I'm just working on this project. And that's the surface-level appearance. And that applies to any situation. Any situation where you can just say, well, it's quite clear what's going on. There's no philosophical inquiry. There's no philosophical or inquiry into... There's no philosophical discussion. There's no further inquiry into meaning or implications or how we arrived at certain things or hidden assumptions or any of that. There's none of that when you're talking about surface-level appearances. When you're in your finite self, you are thinking that what you are is all you are. You think that what you think you are is exactly what you are. And this is how, this description is how you really start to get a sense of what it feels like to be in the finite self. Similar to the situation being like, we just say what the situation is. We also have, well, we say, what are you? And you say, well, I am this, I am that. And that can apply in all sorts of ways. That can have a a wide range of expressions to it and a wide range of answers to it, but it's still finite. You say, oh, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling happy today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling excited. These are all finite, even though there is a huge array of different answers that that could be. In each moment, you are finite. So that's a little bit about the finite self. That's a little bit about what it's like to be in that space. Now, this is contrasted with the infinite self. And very simply, we can say that the infinite self is the opposite of all that. So the finite self is what you say. So the infinite self is what can't be said. So all the things you haven't said. The finite self is defined. And the infinite self is indefinable. It would be like we have the photo and we try and draw a line around it. But we can't draw the line because every time we make a turn, we make a wrong turn and then we find out that it's actually a right turn, but it's actually the wrong turn and we go a different way and we keep trying and trying to draw a line around it, but there's no way to do it. It would be like, well, we found this place on the photo where there's not enough contrast. The Photoshop technology or the Photoshop software can't actually see if it's you or your clothing or something in the background. It actually can't define it. It can't distinguish it. It's, in, it's indefinable. And you see this in, well, graphic designs where they're working with film. So instead of working with a photo and actually outlining a human, 
They work with film and they outline a human. Now, that's a lot more complex, isn't it? Because you have the movement, you have the frames, you have the variables, and there's all sorts of different contrasts changing. And that's why they use green screens. That's why they have green screen studios when filming. It's so that they can have the person clearly defined. They can have them as finite and as solid and as tangible as possible so that it can be put on, they can be put onto a background or a set or a scenery or a visual effects. But the infinite self is indefinable. The infinite self is that moment where the graphics editor for the big blockbuster movie is saying to the director, look, I'm having this problem with this, this one frame in this shot because I can't see if it's here or there and the computer can't pick up and it's all sort of a little bit blurry and they might have to put in some blurs or something to sort of hide the mistake. The infinite self is always new. Just like the finite self is repetitive, the infinite self is always new. It is the first time that you've encountered something. Anything, anything that it could be, whether it's a thought, an idea, an experience, a smell, a taste, a sight. Whenever you have something truly new, you are getting a sense of the infinite. And when you're living as someone who's infinite, well, then everything is new. Have you heard these people say, every day is a new day? What on earth could they mean by that? It's not every day is a new day. Every day is the same. Couldn't it be? But which is it? Is it that every day is a new day or is it that every day is the same? Well, that's exactly the relationship between the finite self and the infinite self. And in this one, you really get a way of learning to step into the infinite self. Because if you can see enough new things, taste enough new things, experience enough new things, feel enough new things, what happens is you start to learn the mechanics of newness. You actually start to understand how newness opens you to the infinite. And you then learn to reverse engineer this in a way and apply it to the things that are repetitive in your life. The things that are apparently repetitive that you do all the time, they become new again. They become fresh. So don't get this sense that you always have to be traveling or trying outlandishly crazy different things to be infinite and to have that sense of the newness. No, on the contrary. In fact, many monks and mystics and gurus have quite a lot of repetition and mundane and blandness in their routine, in their lifestyle. It's a very basic lifestyle. It's a very simple lifestyle. But of course, this is because on the surface, it's finite. 
On the deeper level, it's infinite. For them, subjectively, it's infinite. For them, subjectively, it's new. It's always new. Just like the finite self is thinking that what you are is what you are, then the infinite self is remembering you are more than what you are. And this happens in scales as well. This happens sometimes in a very small way, a very little way. When we can say something like, do you remember how you used to obsess over that thing? You remember how you used to be so into that thing, and now you're not? Something simple, just like maybe a piece of music that you liked. Or a song that you liked. Remember how you had that song stuck in your head over and over? Remember how you used to listen to that song and sing along and how you felt all the time, every time you heard that song? And how different is that to how you feel now? And that's just one step. That's just one small little way of realizing, okay, so this feeling that I've got now is not the only feeling that I've always had. And it's always requiring a degree of self-reflection to have this sort of insight. Because when you're submerged in a feeling, when you're immersed in a feeling, it, it really is all there is. It's finite. And this kind of little step to realize that, well, you used to listen to this song, is just a small step, really. Because to reflect and to go back into all your feelings, well, then you start to open up. And you can do this. You can actually say, okay, well, what sort of feelings have I had before? What sort of situations have I done? Certain things in that have brought about certain feelings. What were the highs? What were the lows? And you start integrating those. And just like you can open up to things that are always new and learn the mechanics, you can open up to all the feelings that you've had before. You can actually go into the feelings that you've had before. And if you do enough of that, you're stepping again, you're learning again, you're reliving certain things, you're reliving your pains, you're reliving your joys, you're reliving certain scenarios, certain relationships and you're doing this work, then, well, you're learning the mechanics of how many feelings you have. You're learning the mechanics of what it means to sit and realize that you've had more than one feeling before. Can you get a sense of that? Can, can you understand that? You've been happy before and you've been sad before, right? Everyone has a range of emotions, but how do you get the sense of, well, when you're happy, do you remember that you've been sad? And when you're sad, you remember that you've been happy. And transcending those through reflection, through reliving them, through going into them consciously, is a way to step towards the infinite self. Now the intimate the the infinite self <laughs> not the not the intimate self <laughs> that's something very different <laughs> the infinite self 
ultimately, is all of your feelings at once. It is all of your feelings. And here it can get very tricky. Here it can get very tricky because you can interpret that as saying, well, you feel everything you felt before all at once in a, in a moment. And in a sense, yes, that can be what experiencing the infinite self is like. But also not exactly, because when we're talking about infinite, we're talking about all time as well. We're not just talking about the moment as in the passing second, the second hand on the clock. And that means that, well, you've felt every feeling before, so you are already, in a sense, infinite. Even when you're not feeling something that you have felt before. And now would probably be a good time to mention that the infinite self is a little bit, it's a little bit wild. It's a little bit out there. It's something that is not really able to be put into words. In fact, it's not something that can even really be described and then, oh, you have to It's not like you describe it and then, okay, so I need to live up to this profile. It's okay, I need to have these certain feelings or I need to do these certain techniques and then I can, and then I'm infinite. No, it's not a one-step process. It's actually, it's actually something you have to find for yourself. It's something that you have to wake up to yourself. But it's not all impossible to learn it from someone else and to hear it. And I should also say, and really one of the key points to going through that process and having that process happen, is to realize that the infinite self that you find through trying to step into it and doing the things that are the opposite of the finite self and doing the techniques and so forth, actually becomes finite. Because put it this way, you can have a feeling, you can have an experience or a peak experience, we might want to call it, and that will be new. That will be something that is totally opening to you, something fully profound, something not on surface levels. But then what happens when that comes again? Well, then of course... It's a repetition. It's taken one step closer to becoming mundane. It's taken one step closer to becoming normal. And that is one of the mechanisms. That's one of the things you have to deal with. Because this whole this whole thing of the infinite self, it can be it can be quite a glorious thing. It can be quite an enticing thing. It's quite a it's quite a profound experience, really. And probably a good way to illustrate this is to understand how the infinite self is being opened up through the use of psychedelics. Now, when you take psychedelics, such as LSD or DMT, what you get is a sort of catapult 
into this huge experience of the infinite self. But of course what happens is then you come crashing down and you're back in the finite self. And these experiences can lead you to feel like, okay, so there's something more that I have to be, that I have to be living. And you can be sent off on this thing of, how do I live there? How do I get there? Now, I do want to say that there's something important in that. And there is great gains to be had in having that kind of attitude. And there are certain things that you do want to make permanent, which are components of the psychedelic experience. Furthermore, that is not to say that these things that you want to make permanent or as regular parts of your phenomenological experience can't be found without the use of psychedelic substances. So it's quite tricky to really say that the infinite self is this big thing you need to go off and chase. Because fundamentally, you actually want to be understanding the relationship between the infinite self and the finite self. And I feel that many people who do psychedelics misunderstand this. They actually feel, they actually sound as though they're stuck in this cloud of the infinite self. It's almost like the the infinite self becomes this dream. It's this dreamy cloud that they're longing for, almost like a kind of romanticism. And pushing and pushing and, and working and trying and really just forcing yourself to do everything you can to live there, to get there, to be there is not necessarily healthy because for one thing it's unrealistic and for another it doesn't understand that the finite self isn't going anywhere. The finite self is still part of everything else. So that's a little bit about the psychedelic experience. I don't want to say too much more about it. I think that with any of those substances, you need to do a lot of research before you take the plunge. And I don't think that it's entirely necessary. Because as we've demonstrated discussing here, you can find these things. You can find this relationship without those substances. Now, in the past, we've talked about incremental transcendence. And that ties in here with what we're saying. When you transcend something, when you see two things at once instead of just one, such as an idea or a thought, or like we were talking a few moments ago about having two feelings as an understanding, where you understand that you are happy and you are sad, then that's, that's something that's incremental. That's a transcendence which is small and little and takes little steps towards the infinite self. And this dichotomy, these two sides of the infinite self and the finite self, they have 
implications for every part of life. For example, money. Now, is your money infinite or finite? Because you could, in so many ways, actually put a dollar figure on how much money you have. But if you know anything about business and investing and how money works and how economy works, actually that becomes a little bit more tricky. Now, these people who have stupefying amounts of money, they have a net worth which is actually estimated. It's actually very hard to say exactly how much money they have for the very reason that it can't be defined. For the very reason that when you get into bookkeeping and accounting and taxes and economics and you've got your balance sheets and your sales forecasts and all those things that are to do with business and money, well, you find that there are certain things that you can't draw a boundary around. There are certain things you can't tally up. You simply can't quantify everything with a number. And that is just one example of how the infinite self and the finite self are related. That's how it plays out in money. Now, if you if you have a very small sort of personal cash setup, like if you've just got a job and then you've got an income, it's just like paycheck to paycheck, well, then that's very finite. That's much more on the side of finite, right? If you're saying... If you're in that situation, you might be sitting there saying, well, money is finite. Money is always finite. You can always put a dollar figure on it because that's what I've always done. And that is to say that, well, you just haven't understood or experienced or seen how someone with a very different conception of money lives and behaves around money. And we could even make this as something that, well, it's, it, I mean, some spiritual teachers would say that the reason you want more money is because you want to be infinite. I don't know if it's that quite, it's, I don't know if it's quite that deep. <laughs> I mean, we could say that everything wants to be infinite. Everything wants to be boundless. Everything wants to be what it is. But we could also just say, no, you want a lot of money because you're greedy. <laughs> that, that also still applies. And the same thing applies to time. Is time infinite or finite? You can say, well, there's 24 hours in a day, Dosta. And I might say, well, hang on a second. Do you remember what we were saying about paycheck to paycheck? And about how that is finite money, that is a finite dollar figure, that is a finite income. And just because that's your financial situation doesn't mean that money doesn't act differently for other people. Well, the same applies to time. Is there really just 24 hours in a day? How long is an hour? Do you know the answer to that one? What is your longest hour? 
and what is your shortest hour. Now you can see we're reflecting here, we're actually drilling into it. If I can ask you these questions, and you can actually think them through a little bit, and actually come up with some kind of answer, then that's incremental transcendence at work. That's actually stepping towards the infinite self, along the variable of time. What is the longest hour you've ever experienced? Maybe it's the last. It's from 4 to 5 p.m. on a Friday afternoon in the office. (laughs) Why is it that that's the longest hour? The weekend's coming. Work finishes at 5. Why does it seem to just drag on? (laughs) And there have been times in your life when an hour has just flown by in the blimp of an eye. And it might have happened without you even noticing. But of course, people who understand these things, people who, for example, work with flow, and work with certain things in flow states to be productive, understand that, well, an hour can just fly by, and they can actually set it up that way. They can actually do that with the right variables, with the right circumstances and they do it on purpose they do it consciously and they get work done and for them the experience is of that well that hour just flew by so what does it mean to have a finite amount of time or an infinite amount of time and we can actually up the stakes even more and we can say How much time have you got left to live? Is that a finite amount of time? Or is that an infinite amount of time? And you might say, well, everyone's got to die. Right? So it must be finite. And here's where I have to tell you that you're wrong. by the same way that money functions differently for other people and hours pass by differently for different people. How much time you have left to live functions differently for different people. And the time one is a big one. It's a deep topic something I'd like to talk more about in the future. And if you'd like to hear <laughs> if you'd like to hear some things that we've already spoken about that, you can hear my episode about time travel. I think it's called Andrew Lake Does Time Travel Civilization 2618. That was quite a while ago that I recorded that. <laughs> How time flies. <laughs> It was, it was even longer since I actually did time travel. But this is a tangent. This is a big tangent. So just plant a flag there on time. And let's move on for one more example, which is relationships. Can you think of a relationship where you think you know the person and they're just sort of 
bland to you. They're mundane. They're repetitive. And what you say about them is, well, you just say something about them and that's how they are. That's just what they are like. And it seems to fit and it seems right. And that's the surface level. Well, you can see how finite that is, right? You've defined them. You've clearly defined them. They're mundane. You're talking about their parts in terms of their surfaces, not just their surface appearance, but their surface, their, their shall, in a shallow way of describing who they are. And in fact, this is how couples get tired of one, one another. Because they just run into the finite self over and over again. They just have this thing of what their partner is in their head and in their head that is going over and over again, around and around. And they just get bored. They just get bored with each other. How many times have you heard this in a long-term couple? Well, they might not have said it to you. Maybe you've just felt it in your private time, your private hours. Which is that, well, I'm just, I just need someone new. I just need someone different. And how many stories are there of the, the old man falling for that trick? The man and the wife have been married for 40 years and then along comes the young new secretary and the man leaves his wife for her. Well, that's him falling for it. That's him falling for something new. And he falls for it because he doesn't realize that his wife actually is infinite. And actually it's possible to have a long-term relationship and still have that sense of newness, still have that sense of mystery, still have that sense of what can't be defined, still have that sense of things that are beyond the surface, to still have those things that can't be defined. And that would be the difference in a relationship which is similar to other people's differences in their relationship to time and money. And there was one more thing I wanted to share as an example, which is knowledge. Is knowledge finite or infinite? How much knowledge do you have? How much knowledge can you have? And this one really gets to some deep edges. Have you heard that old saying, the man that knows nothing is the one that knows everything? Well, this is exactly where this applies. It's exactly what this means. Because if you have this huge amount of knowledge, if you're under this sense of how grand your knowledge is, well, then that's really just something that's defined, something that is a surface appearance, something that is just really something you're just saying about yourself. And in so many ways, knowledge is finite. 
And of course, to really go deeply into this, we have to have a look at what we mean by this word knowledge. What do you mean knowledge? Is it just by how many books you've read? Is it just by how many ideas you have? Is it by how many words you can say? Is it just by any number of other cognitive components that we can somehow make tangible and we can measure it some sort of way? And if that's our definition, then, well, yes, knowledge is finite. But if we're talking about knowledge in terms of something a little bit different, which might be insight or revelation or perception or communicating something in a fresh way, then knowledge can be infinite, and knowledge is infinite. And just in the same way that people relate to money in finite ways and infinite ways, and time in finite ways and infinite ways, and relationships in finite ways and infinite ways, well, knowledge can be related to in finite ways and infinite ways. Someone who's under the illusion that knowledge is something that you have to get and then put into your mind and then you've got it and then it can come out again doesn't break into infinite knowledge. That's a weak theory of mind. That's an inept theory of mind. That's, an, uh, that's a theory of mind that doesn't account for so many other things in consciousness, in subjective experience, in revelation, in all the things that are, well, beyond it's almost like it's a, well, it's a surface level theory of mind. It's a mundane theory of mind. Like the idea that you are a computer which is waiting to have data written onto it and you write the data onto it from books and from information and then you rearrange the data, sure. It doesn't work. It doesn't allow for this sense of, well, opening to infinite knowledge. And that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one to really put your finger on because it's profound, because it's intangible. It's something that you can't put a line around. How can you put a line around insight? How can you clearly define insight? How can you clearly define wisdom? For example, Krishnamurti often said that he didn't read materials. He didn't read sacred texts. He didn't read history. He didn't read spiritual scriptures. He didn't read the Bible or the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita or any of that. He never wanted to. He only ever wanted to speak from his own experience, 
And he did. So how do you account for that in your theory of mind? Because Krishnamurti has got books and books and all sorts of insights, all sorts of wisdom, all sorts of knowledge. And really, Krishnamurti was open to infinite knowledge. And perhaps at this point, we'd have to say that knowledge isn't quite the right word for Krishnamurti. Perhaps at this point in the conversation, we need to say that, okay, so we've just explored the different ideas of what knowledge can mean. Now let's carefully ascribe it to the finite kind of knowledge. So instead of saying we've got finite knowledge and infinite knowledge, we'll just say that knowledge is finite. And for all the stuff that we were talking about when we were talking about infinite knowledge, well, we'll call that something else. We'll call it consciousness or awareness or seeing or something else. And that way we've understood different definitions of the word knowledge. And we're now starting to work out different ways of moving forward to make it clear. To equate different dichotomies, to see different principles at work, to see how big things interact with each other such as the infinite self and the finite self. So those are some thoughts. (laughs) Those are some words. And you realize that if we were to have a transcript of this conversation, the number of words in this conversation would be finite. And the surface level summary that we could put on this conversation would be surface level. It would be mundane. It would be bland. It could be bland. And yet in so many ways, what has been implied here, what is behind the message of these words, well, that's still quite deep. There's quite a lot in there that is beyond the surface level. And it can't be defined. It can't be really made tangible. So this conversation in itself fits into the finite self and the infinite self. And lastly, I'll just add that To look at someone and to see what they are and to really think you know what they are is to fall for the trap that there's an illusion there of them being finite. Because we are all infinite. We all have these expanses around us. And it's quite tricky to work out who is aware of these certain things and how far 
people have gone outwards to those expanses and so just be careful to be looking at someone and thinking of them as so simple so up next we'll be doing the series who is in these will be trip reports and you can listen to that right after this thanks very much for tuning in and that's all i have to say for now